invite you now to take your Bibles and open to an Old Testament passage to the book of Exodus, chapter 2, where we read about a God that is very tender, very loving, very merciful, and that cares about us in difficult times. And even when we lose someone that we care about or we have some sort of difficulty in this life, God is always there. You may recall that I talked about this two weeks ago, and I wanted to continue talking about the idea that we may experience some tough days and have some various challenges, but the fact of the matter is, is we serve a tender God who loves us and provides for us. I want to read just three verses and void the context, which is a no-no in Bible study, but we'll come back and develop some context around it here in just a moment. It happened in verse 23, in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel, this is Exodus 2, verse 23, the king of Egypt died. The children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Now, depending on the version from which you're reading today, you may have some different words. You may even have some additional words in the study together today. But I want us to just acknowledge that there are some things that have happened and things that are about to happen very big in the story of the Exodus and the story of, the, uh, of what was happening to God's people. Of course, this is a text that occurs after Moses' birth, but before the famous chapter 3 where God calls Moses to service. And Moses is called at that great burning bush to let my people go, he must say to Pharaoh, to the king of Egypt. It seems to me that this is a perfect test of, of the people wherein it sets up a problem, but it serves as what I would call a prelude to a solution. And I've underlined those two key words because all of us have problems, all of us have challenges, all of us have difficulties, but God always provides a solution. It may not be in the way that we want it to be or in the timetable in which we think it should be, But God always provides aid to those who hurt and to those who need his help. It also, it seems to me, serves as what I would call a perfect synopsis of the way that life on earth is endured. And that is we will experience some tough days and we can and we do serve a tender God. And I get that because of the various translations of here in Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. I want us to talk about some tough days. I want us to lean heavily on verses 23 and 24. And then I want us to talk about the tender God that we serve by looking at verse 25 and then make some very closing applications for us. I want to start with tough days. And here we are today in 2022, just like the people of old some three to four, five thousand years ago, we are still experiencing tough days. 
We have all kinds of challenges that are before us. Notice, if you would, the word choice to describe the situation of desperation. Or as our brother Alan introduced us today, I really appreciate his introduction to our worship service today. The bleak outlook that is placed before the people of the Lord. I want to look at four words that are used here in the text. And these are different words both in the Hebrew language as well as in the English language for us that we can appreciate. The first of those words is there in verse 23. It happened in the process of time the king of Egypt died. The children of Israel, it says that they groaned. They groaned because of what was happening. The word groaned is a powerful word. It literally is the idea of sighing or mourning. And you think about all the different circumstances and all the different times in life wherein we groan, where we sigh, where we mourn. Here we are today because we have heard news about someone that we care about or perhaps later this week you'll have some sort of challenge that you are presented with and you will sigh and you will mourn. Those are tough days that we experience where we engage in that kind of groaning. The second word or phrase is that they cried out in the New King James Version. They cried out to the Lord. To cry out is to literally be in anguish. And I'm told that the Hebrew word that is used for the two English words that we get cried out is the same word that we get the idea of shrieking from. You know, we recently studied in 1 Samuel, in the latter part of 1 Samuel, on Wednesday evening about that woman that shrieked, that woman that cried out because of the medium that she was, and now she was able to prophesy in a way that she had never been able to do before, and says she cried out. In my mind, she shrieked, the idea being, wow, what just happened? But not always is that a, wow, what just happened, that is a good thing. But what just happened, that is a sad thing. All of us experience some tough days where we cry out to others and we maybe even cry out to our God. Thirdly is the word cry, which is actually a different word, and it literally means to cry. You know, it seems like in, in my some fairly long years of life compared to some others that we have made a change in the way that we look at crying. I, I remember being a very young boy, and the idea was is that men don't cry. But we've come to a place now where I think we've accepted the truth of the matter, and that is whether you are a woman, whether you are a man, whether you are so-called weak, or whether you are so-called macho and strong, we cry. Whether you are a woman or a man, we are individuals who cry out and shriek, and we cry. It is a root word that is used only one time in the Old Testament, and that is in Psalm 5, verse 2, where our brother read from earlier in our study today, the idea of crying. There are all kinds of occasions where you and I are going to cry, where you and I are going to weep. And if Jesus cried, as he did on various recorded occasions in the Bible, he was not a weak man. He was not a pushover of a man. He was a strong man. So I say that because it seems as if this change that I have witnessed in some 40 years that men can cry too and it's appropriate is indeed an appropriate juncture for us to arrive at. 
in that when we cry, it's a sign of things aren't good. And number four, this word that is used that is groaning, which is different than the past tense of the groan. It is similar to the first groaning, but it is an entirely different word. And I thought that was interesting. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm barely an English scholar. Uh, but I thought that this was interesting, that when I found the word used twice in the, in the course of about 10 words, it's actually a different word that has a slightly different meaning. The Holy Spirit, it seems to me, really wants us to appreciate what the Israelites were going through by using all these different words. He didn't just say the Holy Spirit, as he's writing here through probably Moses, the recording author of Exodus chapter 2, that they had bad days. No, he says that they groaned, they cried out, they cried, and the groaning of the people was heard. These were a people who were as... Jesus would seem to suggest without a shepherd, without a leader. And of course, it precedes chapter 3, where Moses is chosen as the leader to develop these people. If that's where the story ends, this is the most miserable sermon you've ever heard. And if that's where the story ended in Exodus chapter 2, it would be a very sad read. But that's not where it ends. It says in verse 24 that God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant. I appreciate the song selection of our brother Bill this morning when it talks about the Lord bending his ear to hear us. And the songs that talk about the fact that God cares about us and wants us to know that when we call upon him, we don't have to say, God, are you listening? Father, are you there? No, we know that he is there. We know that he is listening. We know that he bends his ears so that he wants to learn about us and about our needs. Which brings us to the second part of our study, and that is the tender God that we serve. Like so many places in the Bible, This story starts out as a bleak one, to borrow from what Alan said a few moments ago. One that's depressing or virtually hopeless. I mean, if the story ends in verse 23 and then chapter 3 begins in verse 1, it doesn't make much sense. But the fact is, is we serve a God who, in some versions of the Bible, is the tender God. But never are we to underestimate our God. Note again, if you would, the word choice that is utilized in verses 24 through 25. And I want to spend just a few moments looking at these four words as well. The first of those, and it's all about God. Each of these four phrases is God verb. God's the noun, and then there's a verb that follows. And the first of those is that God heard. You know, there's a difference between hearing and hearing. Or some have said there's a difference between hearing and listening. I can hear something, but I may not be listening. Those of us who are husbands, we sometimes get in trouble because we hear, but we don't listen. What'd you say? And the fact is, is we've got to be cautious about that. And we certainly need to be cautious about that when it comes to spiritual matters, that we don't just hear what God says, but we listen and actually hear what he has to say. Because I can hear what God says and then go and live my life however I want. But I have to listen to what he says and then abide by it. But the fact is, is when God hears, he doesn't just hear in a casual sense, but in a real sense. When we struggle, 
When we have challenges, when we have tough days like we talked about with the children of Israel so many years ago, when that happens, there is never a time when God is unaware. There are so many different passages that we could go to. The persistent widow uh, in Luke chapter 18, for example, comes to mind. But one of the passages that came to mind for, to me is a very simple passage and a well-known passage in the book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8. Matthew chapter 6 is well-known because of the model prayer that is provided for us in the middle of that great sermon on the mountaintop. And there in verse uh, 7, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, now this is verse 8, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now, sometimes someone will look at a passage like that and say, well, if the Lord knows what I need before I even ask him, why do I have to go through the, and I put in air quotes, trouble of asking him? Well, of course, God wants us to communicate with him and communicate to him because there's great value in being able to voice our frustrations to our Lord. More about that here in just a moment. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 is telling me that God already knows what it is that I'm going to say to him. There is never a time where God is unaware or God is uninterested in what you say. Now, There are times, because I'm a human being, I may not listen as well to you as what I should. And there may be times where I do not care as much as I should because I'm a human being. That will never happen with our Lord. God always hears us. God always cares. The fact that God heard these people is a testimony to the fact that God loved these people And God loves us as well. Which brings us to a second phrase, and that is God remembered. You know, God is a God of promises. It says here in verse 24 that God remembered the covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. Now, this is also one of those places in using kind of old language where sometimes people say, well, does that mean then that God forgot? You know, we write reminders to ourselves. Uh, Some of us, and I know that I'm not the only one, I will actually email myself things that I need to do in order to not forget it. Uh, I have long said, when you ask me to do something, if I don't write it down, it's probably not going to happen because I'm forgetful. And as we get older, I'm told that it gets worse, which is really something to look forward to. But the fact is, is this is not a matter of God forgetting. God doesn't forget. So when it says that God remembered his people, it's not that he says, oh, yes, I forgot about those people to whom I made a promise so many years back. That's not the way that this is working here. It's just that God is acknowledging and God is telling them, I'm here for you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you to borrow from New Testament language. Well, look, if you would, at two passages to illustrate this point and compare Genesis 8 to Genesis chapter 30. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1 says, God remembered Noah on the ark. Does that mean that he'd forgot about him? Oh, I left him on the boat all that time. No, that's not the case at all. 
It's that God acknowledges, as we'll talk about in just a few moments, his people. The same is true in Genesis chapter 30 in verse 22, where it says, God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. This is a, simply a way of saying that God has knowledge of people and God has knowledge of you. More about the knowledge aspect here in just a moment. Let me share with you a third word that is used here, and that is God looked. Now, God knows all things. He sees all things. But yet the text says that God looked. Now, as spirit, God doesn't possess any sort of human features with ears or eyes. But the concept of his eyes should be of great comfort. And we see this throughout the Old and the New Testament, the idea of God looking upon creation and God knowing things about his people. It is indeed a matter of total awareness. And I I put that word total in capital letters and big letters because God is totally aware of everything that is going on. Go back to the tough days concept. These people were groaning and crying, and they were having bad days because of what was happening to them and what was about to happen to them. But yet God says, I'm aware. There is never a time in a difficult circumstance wherein you are having a tough day where God says, I'm just unaware of that. God looks and knows and is aware And that brings us to a fourth concept, and that is God acknowledged. This is one of those places where I think it really helps to look at some alternative versions of the Bible. And when you're looking at the King James Version, it actually says that God had respect on the people. It is a word there that is the same root for the idea of knowing. In essence, God says, I know what you are going through. I am aware of what you are going through, and I have respect for you for what you're going through. So when you have a difficult day and your job situation does not turn out well or you lose your job, God says, I know about that, and I have respect for that. When we lose someone that we care about, God says, I have respect for that because I know about that. And one of the things that we have as humans is technology to be able to communicate with one another so that we all know news of one another, but God automatically knows those things. Now, of course, in Hebrews chapter 4, as we'll look at in the closing moments in a few moments here, we know that we are to go to him in time of need and to speak to him in time of need, but the fact of the matter is, is God knows. Now, Going back to a point that I had made earlier in our study together today, God, by way of his Holy Spirit, did not include these verbs to merely fill space. I sometimes joke about uh, when uh, you write a research paper when the professor says it needs to be uh, 5,000 words or 3,000 words or whatever, and you are running short, you, you get a thesaurus and you start finding uh, different words to fill the space to make it so that you get the projected length correct. That's not the way that the Bible is done. In fact, the Bible is relatively short. It's a relatively short book or a series of collections of books 
the 66 that provide the whole account of the Lord. But instead, God wants us to really, and might I suggest, fully know how much he cares for his people. That's why all the different words are used. Now, there are other reasons why that may be included, especially if you look at the Hebrew words and the various nuances of those words. But simply put, God says, I want you to know that I know about you, that I love you, and that I will always be there for you. And that's true today, as true as it has ever been in any time in the past, because it is certainly true today. Because the lessons from this very short text are as timely today as they would have been to the children of Israel thousands of years earlier. Let me suggest to you before we close this morning some very basic takeaways and four very simple applications. One of those goes back to where we began, and that is there will always be challenges. There will always be problems. I said this two weeks ago, and I wanted to repeat it again today because it's been on my mind, and certainly today is an appropriate day when we hear bad news or we hear news that is sad for some of our family, that God says there will be challenges, there will be problems, there will be difficulties. You know, even after the Israelites were freed from Egypt and they made their way to the promised land, there were still lots of problems that they were to encounter. I would even go as far to say, and I think you will agree with me based on biblical texts like 2 Timothy chapter 3, that it's actually impossible to serve God and not encounter tough days. Put it a different way, if you don't in the course of, let's say, 365 days, if you don't have a tough day where you are suffering because of your spiritual uh, welfare, because of your spiritual focus, it may be that you aren't spiritually focused enough. Some have even suggested that if you don't have difficult days that show up from time to time, it may be because you aren't living as righteously as you should be in the first place. And I think there's some value to that particular appraisal. Let me suggest to you, number two, that is true today, that God cares about our needs. We need to remember Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, and maybe memorize it. The idea being that God knows already what our needs are even before we come to him to ask him. At the same time, that doesn't mean that we are not to go to our God in prayer and to seek his assistance, which is where Hebrews 4.16 comes in, that we go to him in time of need. There's, there's two sides of, it, it seems to me, Hebrews 4 verse 16. One of those is that we ought never to look at God as being some sort of request box where we put in the prayer token and then we get out what we need. Rather, we go to God in prayer regardless of what we need, if nothing else, to praise him and to tell him how great he is. On the flip side of that, God wants us to come to him in time of need. And so we must acknowledge that, hey, he's there for my help. I'm going to take advantage of the help that he provides. And let me suggest to you another favorite verse of mine that we ought never to underestimate, and that's Romans chapter 8, verse 26, which, if not memorized, needs to be memorized in terms of what it's teaching, where there the Apostle Paul, by way of the Holy Spirit, says, likewise, the Spirit also... 
What's the next word? Helps. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses or in our tough days, in our difficult days. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with the groanings which cannot be uttered. I love Romans 8, 26. And one of the reasons why I really like that verse is because if you're like me, and I know that you are because you're a human being, there are times where you're praying to the Lord and you don't even know what to pray for because the troubles are so severe, because the challenges are so uh, severe, because the tough days are so mounting. What am I supposed to pray about? And the Holy Spirit says, I've got you. I'm going to speak to the Lord, speak to the Father on your behalf in ways that you would not comprehend, in ways that you can't really communicate with him. There may be further ways of, of illustrating Romans 8, 26. There's some mystery associated with that, and I'll grant you that. But I think we can all agree that the Holy Spirit is there to help us to be that comforter, even in difficult times when we don't know exactly what we are to pray to our Father about. Thirdly, God never forgets us. I, I forget things all the time, which is why I had to write them down. You're the same way. We have to make sure that we have reminders to one another, reminders of the things that we need to do. You know, someone might say, hey, can you, can you pray for me? And I may say, with all good intention, absolutely I will. And then four days later, it hits me, I forgot that I was supposed to pray for her because of a challenge that she was going through, because of a, a potential job promotion, or whatever the case may have been. I'm forgetful, but God never forgets. Go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Psalms, to Psalm 46 and verse 1. I love Psalm 46 for so many different reasons, but look, if you would, at verse 1 of Psalm 46 where there the psalmist records these very simple words. It says that God is our refuge and God is our strength, a very present help in trouble. That's the God that we serve. He is a present help in times of trouble. That when we have tough days, God says, I've got you. Now, as we go back to where we began before we get ready to close... We need to acknowledge, speaking of acknowledgement, as we're talking about what's true today, that God may not act in the way that we want him to act. You remember that Jesus said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me on three different occasions. You remember that Paul famously in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 said, if it's possible, make it so that this difficulty, this challenge is removed. And of course, the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient. You will grow in your weakness and you will become stronger as a result of it. So God is going to acknowledge us and God's acknowledgement, his respect is action-based. Notice if you would one final time, Exodus chapter 2, 25 and what follows. Exodus 2, 25 says, God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. And what happens in chapter 3? If you're not familiar with it, it's where God appears to Moses in that bush that burns but yet is not consumed. And God says, you are going to do great things. Might I suggest to you that the greatest acknowledgement of God the Father that ever transpired 
is of Jesus himself. And that fits very nicely with what Brother Brian closed us out with in the book of Acts today, that you can teach Jesus from the Old Testament and you can teach Jesus from the prophets because it seems to me that when it says God acknowledged or had respect on the people and that God acknowledges and respects us today, it is ultimately through Jesus the Christ that that respect is seen. You know, we ought to respect God as well. That's why we do not take his name in vain. That's why we worship him. That's why we praise him. But the fact is, is we have tough days, but we serve a tender God who makes it easier. I would like to tell you today that you become a Christian, and then, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that life just goes along splendidly from there on. But that's not the case. In fact, when you sign up to serve God, when you say, I'm ready to be a a child of his, I want to be a saint, the fact is, his life will become even more difficult because Satan will bear down all of his pressure on you to discourage you and to destroy you. But we are a team that is made stronger together and made stronger by our God to defeat him. And we can defeat him and we will defeat him. The tough days that you experience are made better by a tender God that we serve. And if you're ready to serve that tender God who loves you, who cares about you, and who wants to provide for you going forward spiritually, you are in the right place. This is not a a special place in terms of this building being sacred, but you are in a special place because we are here to worship our God and you are surrounded by people who care more about you than any place else in the world. And that's the church. And you can be a member of the Lord's church as is illustrated in Acts chapter 2 by being baptized to have your sins washed away. We're happy to help you with that today if you need to make some sort of correction in your life. And we can help you and pray with you and, and strengthen you. We would welcome that opportunity as well. If we can help in any way, let us know while together we stand while we sing.